0: You meet a man so rash as to choose his wife for goodness or for beauty. The beauty of character must not be confounded with beauty of face, Lizzie. Beauty I have read, by which I mean beauty of face. My aunt Norris said that I should be married first. his name was Mum Bingley. A single man of good fortune. Four thousand a they say. <laughs> what a fine thing for our girls to spend it. As soon as he sees them, he will fall in love with one of them, and therefore you must visit him as soon as possible.
1: Why should I visit him? A man so eager to fall in love must not waste his time asking me what I think of the weather. Oh, Mr. Bennett. No, no, you and the girls may go, or you may send them by themselves.
0: Indeed, you must go, Mr. Bennett. Would it be impossible for us to visit him if you do not?
1: You are over-scrupulous, my dear. Mr. Bingley will be very glad to see you, and I will send a letter by you to assure him of my hearty he consent to his marrying whichever he likes of the girls.
2: Oh, ah.
0: Very well, then. If you're determined to neglect your daughters, I shall not say another word. How you can want to see Charlotte Lucas queening it at Netherfield Park is more than I can understand. Sir William and Lady Lucas are determined to go merely on that account, and Charlotte not a day less than 27, and not half as handsome as Jane, to say nothing of the others. Mary. Sir?
1: You shall tell us. You are a young lady of deep reflection and read great books and make extracts. Would Miss Lucas be a suitable wife for a lively young man of little intelligence but with an amiable desire to please?
0: Well, uh...
1: No matter. I have decided that he shall have Jane.
0: He'll never even see Jane since we are not to visit. He shall marry her by proxy. How do you know, sir, that he has an amiable desire to please? All lively
1: young men of little intelligence desire to please, Lizzie. (sighs) It is perhaps generous in me to describe as amiable what is but a form of vanity.
0: Vanity takes many forms.
1: That, Mary, is exactly what it
0: takes. Uh, But, sir... Uh, Not all young men are lively, nor of little intelligence.
1: Nor all young women as quick as Elizabeth.
0: Oh, my word, I don't know what you're all talking about. When did you call on Mr. Bingley, sir, this morning? What's that? Your father visited Netherfield Park. But he said he would do no such thing. Yes, Mama, but because he had done it. My dear Mr. Bennett. oh, do you hear that, girls? Your father has called at Netherfield. Oh, how good it was of you, my dear Mr. Bennett. But I knew I should persuade you at last. I was sure you loved your girls too well to neglect such an acquaintance forward. Did you like him, sir? Which, Jane? Which? Oh, Mr. Bingley, to be sure.
1: I thought perhaps you meant Mr. Darcy. What?
0: Is there another man at Benderfield Park? Oh. A friend of Mr. Bingley, sir?
1: More than that, is he? Guide philosopher and friend. But mostly guide. Darcy says this, Darcy says that. So does Mr. Bingley. Did you see him? Is he gentlemanlike? Mr. Darcy has ten thousand oh. a year. One could hardly be more gentleman like than that.
0: Henry! <gasps> Young, handsome. He has an estate, of course. Ten thousand a
1: year.
0: Oh, he has an estate somewhere. You may be sure. My dear. Ten
1: we must restrain ourselves. While it is now definitely settled that Bingley is to be one of my sons-in-law, I am sorry to say that we cannot count on Mr. Darcy as another. Oh, However, with Bingley and the sprinkling of officers, I shall do quite well. We must be careful what further commitments we make, or we shall become uh, congested. Besides, I'm expecting an addition to our family party.
0: An addition?
1: A gentleman, at least, I hope so, and a stranger
0: has he a name sir or does he travel anonymously
1: he has a name lizzie but your mother has asked me so repeatedly not to mention it in her hearing that i forbore to do so not
0: that odious man coming to stay that one who is he ma'am it's your cousin mr collins to whom the estate is entailed who, as soon as your father is dead, can turn us all out of this house just whenever he pleases.
1: Let us look on the bright side, my dear. Let us flatter ourselves that I may survive you all. I
0: think it's cruel to settle in the state away from a family of daughters in favor of a man whom nobody cares anything about.
1: It is certainly a most iniquitous affair, and nothing can clear, Mr. Collins, of the guilt of inheriting Longbourn. However... As a clergyman, he's now sorry for it and has written to tell me so. Oh,
0: a clergyman? Then he cannot ever be an officer. I must say I like an officer better than a clergyman. Does he say anything about the entail? He
1: apologizes for it and proposes to make amends.
0: Why, does he apologize? It is not his fault. And we cannot suppose he would help it if he could. Probably he will ask for one of the girls. That's what he means by making amends, you may
1: be sure. That is what I meant by warning you against congestion. We have only Elizabeth free.
0: Free to make my own choice, sir. Yes, that's right, my dear. We must be sensible about it. A clergyman is only a clergyman after all, and if this Mr. Darcy has
1: 10,000, year, you you did say 10,000, Mr. Benedict. What I forgot to say is that Mr. Darcy is apparently earmarked for Miss Bingley, which makes the extent of his fortune of less importance to us.
0: Miss Bingley indeed. Bingley has a sister?
1: It was so arranged before I had any say in the matter. I only called upon him yesterday.
0: Yesterday? You called yesterday? Oh, then he may return the call here today. He may be here at oh. any moment. Oh, my dear, I think you should not be here when he returns the call. It would have a forward appearance. But, he, well, I, I I think, Jane, if you stay, that would be natural. My eldest daughter. Oh, I oh, think Ma- we should all go, ma'am. It would have a worse appearance if one were to seem to have singled herself out, Mr. Bingley. Dear yes. Jane, as if any man could think that of you. Or think it the less if you were surrounded by sisters whom he had forgotten as soon as he set eyes on you. I'm sure I have no wish to see him. He is not an officer, and I think very little of a man who is not an officer, I assure you. I must say, I think an officer in his coat looks uncommonly handsome. Mm-hmm. Did I tell you, ma'am, that the new officer is named Wickham? Oh, how very nice. Yes, loves the nice.
1: Kitty and Lydia must be two of the silliest girls in the country. I have suspected it some time, but I am now convinced.
0: Oh, well, you must not expect such girls to have the sense of their father and mother. When they get to our age, I dare say they will not think about officers any more than we do.
1: I assure you, my dear, that even before I reached my present age, I was never one for officers.
0: Uh, Give me your attention a moment, Mr. Bennett. Uh, Would you not say that the table would have a better appearance to the left? What? Yes. Yes, I'm right. It has a quality to the left there. Friend, uh, well, to move it, Mr. Bennett. For I'm whom
1: going. do we refurnish? Mr. Collins? Well, surely tomorrow will be soon enough. He's not due for two weeks.
0: Oh, for Mr. Bingley, to be sure. He may be upon us at any moment.
1: You are exciting yourself unnecessarily, my dear. He will not be upon us until you give him the invitation. He lacks sense, but his manners are good. My dear Mr. Bennett, permit me to know the correct conduct of
0: the young man newly arrived in the neighbourhood. As soon as he has returned your visit, I shall ask him to dinner, and he will then be able to dance with the girls at the next assembly ball. But it's plain that he must return your visit first. Well, credit me with some knowledge of good manners, I beg you.
1: Your knowledge is only lacking in one particular. What's that? Mr. Bingley returned my visit this morning. Oh. I must have you
3: dance I hate to see you standing about by yourself in this stupid manner
1: <laughs> you had much better dance than hide in this alcove. I shall not dance Bingley you know how I detest it unless I'm particularly acquainted with my partner oh. <laughs> for such an assembly as this it would be insupportable your sister is engaged and there is not another woman in the ballroom I could bear to stand up with well Darcy I I, I would not be as fastidious as you for a kingdom Upon my honor, I never met with so many pleasant girls in my life, and most of them uncommonly pretty. You are dancing with the only handsome girl in the room, Charles. Ah, that's the most profound thing you have ever said in your life. Is she not a beautiful creature? Her eyes, her hair, her expression, her smile. Oh, but I must have you dance. Indeed, it was Miss Jane Bennet herself who sent me to persuade you. You had much better go back to her and enjoy her smiles. you are wasting your time with me as you would not be with her. Well, that's true. (laughs) Oh, but now look. There is one of her sisters sitting on the sofa just around the corner, who is very pretty. And when I dined with them seemed very agreeable. Do let me introduce you. Which do you mean? There. Ah, yes. I had seen her. She is tolerable, but not handsome enough to tempt me. And I am in no humour for young ladies who are slighted by other men. Slighted? Left over after they have chosen. Oh, have it your own way. You are an unaccommodating dog. Or would be, if I were not too polite to say so. Thank heaven I can enjoy myself in any company. I thank heaven.
3: (laughs) Ah, Mr. Darcy. Allow me to introduce myself. Sir William Lucas of Lucas Lodge. You may have heard of me at St. James's. What a charming amusement for young people this is, Mr. Darcy. There's nothing like dancing after all. I consider it as one of the first refinements of polished society.
1: Do you not agree with me? Certainly, sir. It has the advantage also of being in vogue among the less polished societies. Uh, Every savage can dance, and would agree with you that there is nothing like it. Very
3: true, sir.
1: Very true. Oh, my dear Miss Eliza,
3: why are you not dancing?
0: Because I do not wish to,
3: sir. Nonsense, nonsense. Come along. Mr. Darcy, you must allow me to present to you this young lady, Miss Elizabeth Bennett, as a very desirable partner. You can refuse to dance, I'm sure, when so much beauty is before you.
0: Overwhelmed, as he obviously is by my beauty, Mr. Darcy may find it difficult to refuse, but fortunately I have nothing to overwhelm me. Indeed, Sir William, I have not the least intention of dancing.
1: May I beg to be allowed the honor of your hand?
0: No, Mr. Darcy, you may not be. Let the refusal seem to come from yourself rather than from me, and your pride will be saved.
3: As you please. Come, Mr. Eliza, you excel so much in the dance that it is cruel to deny me the happiness of seeing you. And though this gentleman dislikes the amusement in general, he can have no objection, I'm sure, to oblige us for one half hour. Uh,
0: Mr. Darcy, sir, is like me, in that we only care about dancing with our friends. Indeed, we go so far sometimes as to refuse to meet a stranger until we are already acquainted with him.
3: If you never meet a stranger until you become acquainted with him, how do you become acquainted with him?
0: That is a secret known only to Mr. Darcy and myself. He has my permission to reveal it to you. Your servant, sir.
3: (laughs) Charming young lady. A great friend of my daughter Charlotte's. Very high-spirited, do you not think, Mr. Darcy? Uh, Just so, Ah, here is Miss Stingley approaching, a delightful young lady who
1: has the honour of your friendship. Indeed, if rumour speaks true, of something more than friendship. Believe me, Sir William, rumour says anything which comes into its head.
3: Ah. Well, you'll forgive me if I leave you. I promised my wife to make up a four quadrille by all means.
1: Thank you, thank you. To I should imagine not you
0: are considering how insupportable it would be to pass many evenings in this manner in such society oh how heartily I hardly agree with you I was never more annoyed the insipidity and yet the noise of nothingness and yet the self-importance of all these people oh, what would I give to hear your strictures on them
1: you were wrong my mind was much more agreeably engaged I have been meditating on the very great pleasure which a pair of fine eyes in the face of a pretty woman can bestow.
0: Dare I guess the name of the lady who has inspired such a complex? I am
1: sure you dare, but I am equally sure your guess would be astray. And <laughs> you shall tell me. Miss Elizabeth Bennet.
0: Miss Elizabeth Bennet, indeed. How long has she been such a favourite? And when, pray, am I to wish you joy?
1: I knew you would be wishing me joy. There is nothing travelled so quick as a lady's imagination.
0: Have you met your future
1: mother-in-law yet? future mother-in-law.
0: Mrs. Bennett, a charming woman. Such tact, such quality, such good manners.
1: Amongst so many future mothers-in-law, I shall not notice her.
0: They have an aunt at Meryton, positively married to an attorney, and an uncle in trade. Oh, tell me, you are not serious.
1: Serious? In what? In admiring Miss Elizabeth Bennett's eyes. That is all I engage myself to do. It is you who would make other engagements oh. for me. Oh,
0: I was only teasing you. You know
1: what is due to your position. I hope I shall always be sensible of that. It is not myself, but your brother, whom you have need to be anxious. Charles?
0: Oh, you mean Jane, Bennet? That means nothing.
1: You are the last person who should say so. He admires her eyes, her hair, her expression, and her smile. He is almost married to her already.
0: You will not allow
1: it. I oh, promise If me. Charles comes to me for my advice, you know what it will be. And I can promise you to give it to him. But we're a long way from that yet. You overrate the easiness of falling in love. He has a little real feeling for her, as she for him?
2: Or as you for Miss
0: Eliza, or she for you?
1: Miss Elizabeth Bennet has every reason to dislike me, and I have no reason to be anything but indifferent to her dislike. <sighs> Yet I still think that she has fine eyes, Miss Bingley. Miss Bing, is just what a young man I ought to be,
0: Lizzie. Sensible, good-humoured, lively. And I never saw such happy manners. So much ease with such perfect good breeding. Well, he certainly is very agreeable. And I give you leave to like him. You have liked many a stupider person. Oh, dear Mrs. Oh, Jane. You are a great deal too apt to like people. You never see a fault in anybody. I never heard you speak ill of a human being in my life. I would wish not to be hasty in censuring anyone. But I always speak what I think. I know you do. And it is that which makes me wonder with your good sense to be so honestly blind to the nonsense of others and so you like Miss Bingley too she's very pleasing when you converse with her and I think we shall find her a charming neighbor Mm. you will Jane she tells me that mr. Darcy never speaks much unless among his intimate acquaintance with them he is remarkably agreeable it seems then that we shall never know how remarkably agreeable mr. Darcy is he is proud to be sure But one cannot wonder that so very fine a young man, with family, fortune, everything in his favour, should think highly of himself. I could easily forgive his pride if he had not mortified mine. It was remiss in him to have said what he did of my Lizzie, and foolish in him to think it. But he did not know you were sitting so close. He knew I was there, but did not know I had two ears. He did not mean it to be heard, I am sure. He is much too gentlemanlike. Then that at least was unkind in him. For you have now made it clear that even to be tolerable to mr darcy is a compliment of which he should have allowed me the benefit Lizzy, hmm? you will not show mr darcy that you do not think well of him dear jane he would not believe it possible if i did show him <laughs> i to say the same of you, Mr. Wickham, but it is too late now. You will never believe that I was not paying you a return for your own compliments.
2: Tell me, how long has Mr. Darcy been in the neighborhood?
0: Darcy has come with Mr. Bingley, who has but just taken Netherfield. He is said to be a man of large property in Derbyshire. Pemberley, yes. Oh, you know Mr. Darcy?
2: To my sorrow, alas. how strange.
1: He is a friend of yours. I would not say anything against a friend of yours.
0: I have spoken 20 words with him. We were as rude to each other as if we'd been the oldest of friends.
1: I must not put you against him. His father was one of the best men that ever breathed.
0: That leaves me neither for nor against the son.
1: Let's talk of something else. The subject is inexpressibly painful to me.
0: No, no, Mr. Wickham. You have chosen the subject, and in duty both to yourself and to him, you must go on with it. Even if my sense of justice allowed otherwise, my curiosity would protest. It keeps wondering connection there can be between a landowner in derbyshire and an officer in Hertfordshire. and how mr darcy's villainy can possibly exceed that which is already shown by finding me not beautiful enough to dance with
2: the connection is easily explained
1: Uh, my father had the care of the pemberley estate old mr darcy was my godfather and brought me up as his own son he intended me for the church and when he died bequeathed me the next presentation of the best living in his gift i can never do justice to his kindness he meant to provide for me amply He always told me that he should, and he thought that he had done so. Oh, forgive me burdening you with all this, but your sympathy means so much to me. But
0: I don't understand what has happened. How could the will be disregarded? Why are you not... There was just that informality in the terms of the bequest. Informality? But if the intention was clear... No man of
2: honor could have doubted the intention.
0: You mean that Mr. Darcy did doubt it?
2: He chose to. But
1: on what grounds? It seems monstrous. I can only suppose from jealousy. It was his father's attachment to me that worked on him. He had not the temper to bear the sort of competition in which we stood, the sort of preference which was so often given me. What treat you like that? To
0: disregard his father's dying wishes?
1: He deserves to be publicly disgraced. Someday day he will be, but it shall not be by me. Till I can forget his father, I can never expose him. And now let us talk of your beautiful dancing, it's indeed, dear. You dance and dance.
0: I trust i do not disturb you sir
1: you must consider yourself quite at liberty to come and go as you please in this house mr collins if you have not yet presented your humble respects to your patroness lady catherine and would wish to indict a letter that is very kind of you sir very considerate and obliging but i've already given myself the
0: pleasure thrice since my arrival under your hospitable roof lady catherine is condescending enough to take an interest even in the humblest of mankind
1: that is extremely handsome of her
0: She has even condescended to advise me to marry as soon as possible.
1: Ah. Has she chosen the lady who is to be so honoured, or does she leave you a certain discretion in the matter?
0: In her gracious way, she said that, provided she approves the choice, I may marry whomsoever I please.
1: Nothing could be more gracious than that. Uh, No, indeed, indeed.
0: Um, my dear sir, Mm? there is a serious matter upon which I must consult you. Indeed, it was for that purpose that I've sought you out this morning no doubt mrs Bennet has informed you of my object of carrying out my patroness's instructions to marry and by choosing one of your daughters to
1: make amends for the injustice which i seem to be doing them by inheriting Longbourn. well well very handsome of you had her ladyship fixed upon any particular daughter or was the matter left open Uh, naturally it was felt that the rights of miss jane as the eldest should be respected
0: Indeed, you can hardly have failed to notice the marked attentions which I've been paying her these last
1: two days. In the press of other matters, I had failed to notice it.
0: It did not, however, escape the notice of Mrs. Bennet, who mentioned in the kindest, most delicate way that her eldest daughter was likely to be soon engaged to a Mr. Bingley. Mm. It is in these circumstances, sir, that I'm hoping for your interest with your fair daughter, Elizabeth, when I solicit for the
1: honour of a private audience with her in the course of the day. Ah. Your mind is made up on this matter. I conceive it to be a duty, both. I mean on this question of a private audience. You would not allow me to be unobtrusively present in a corner somewhere with my back to your I No, I suppose not. Pity. Well Oh,
0: my dear Mr. Collins, Lizzie and I were wondering where you
1: were. As always, my dear, you arrive on the moment. Mr. Collins has something, has I suspect, much to say to Elizabeth.
0: To Elizabeth? Oh, my dear Mr. Collins. Yes, certainly, my dear Mr. Collins. I'm sure Lizzie will be very happy, won't you, my dear? Uh, well, uh, come, Mr. Bennett. I want you to give me your advice on the hanging of a mirror in the hall. It has been on my mind these two days. Oh, dear Ma'am, uh, sir, do not go. I, I beg you will not go. Mr. Collins can have nothing to say to me that anybody may not hear.
1: Have no fears, Lizzie. I shall insist on hearing afterwards just what he did say. <sighs> But the question of this mirror which has been on your mother's mind these two days... Oh, but Lizzie, her... I
0: insist upon your staying and hearing, Mr. Collins. <sighs> you will, ma'am. That's a good girl. Uh, come, Mr. Bennett. Yes, my dear. I, I
2: think...
0: Sit in the mirror. <laughs> Don't be mirror. Pray be seated, Miss Elizabeth. Uh, thank you, sir. I prefer to stand. I should feel more comfortable if you were seated. And I... less. Uh, please say what you have to say. Very well. <clears throat> Miss Elizabeth, my attentions to you these last two days have been too marked to be mistaken. Indeed, as soon as I entered the house, I singled you out as the companion of my future life. <laughs> but, uh, my reasons for marrying are, first, that I think it the right thing for every clergyman to set the example of matrimony in his parish. Secondly, I am convinced it will add greatly to my happiness. And thirdly, that it is the recommendation of the very noble lady whom I have the honour of calling patroness. Let me remark parenthetically that the notice and kindness of Lady Catherine de Bourgh are not the least of the advantages it is in my power to offer but, Mr Collins. Wait, please. I beg your pardon, sir. I thought you had finished. So much for my general intention in favour of matrimony. It remains to be told why my views were directed towards this house of Longbourn. The fact is that being to inherit this estate after the death of your honoured father, I resolved to choose a wife from among his daughters. That the loss to them might be as little possible when the melancholy event takes place, oh, I see. and now nothing remains but to assure you in the most animated language of the violence of my affections. to fortune, I am indifferent, and shall make no demand of that nature on your father, since I am well aware that one thousand pounds in the four per cent which will not be yours till after your mother's decease is all that you ever may be entitled to, however long delayed your small inheritance may be, no ungenerous reproach shall pass my lips after we are married you are a little hasty sir you assume an answer which you have not yet allowed me to give let me give it without further loss of time accept my thanks for the compliment you pay me Uh, believe that I am very sensible of the honor of your proposals but understand that it is impossible for me to do otherwise than decline them Uh, uh, believe me my dear miss Elizabeth your modesty so far from doing you any disservice rather adds to your other perfection Not modesty, sir. It is, as I prefer to think, common sense. I am perfectly serious in my refusal. You could not make me happy, and I'm convinced that I'm the last woman in the world who could make you so. Uh, Nay, were your friend Lady Catherine to know me, I am persuaded that she would find me in every respect ill-qualified for the situation. I thank you for your offer, which now leaves you free to take possession of Longbourn, whenever it falls, without any self-reproach. In return, I wish you very, very happy, and by refusing your hand, do all in my power to prevent your being otherwise. The matter may be considered, therefore, as finally settled. Um, my dear cousin, since my hand does not appear to me unworthy of your acceptance, I can only attribute your rejection of it to your desire to increase my love by suspense, according to the usual practice of elegant females. <sighs> I do not know whether to laugh or to cry at you, for we seem to have no words with which to communicate with each other. If my no means yes, then what means no? I shall send my father to you. He shall speak for me. At least you will not mistake his behavior for the affectation and coquetry of an elegant female. Oh, <laughs> Oh, <please, Mama. laughs> oh what's this? What's this? Oh, can I believe my eyes? The waves have flung past me, and, and you standing there alone, Mr. Collins? I Elizabeth dared to refuse you. My dear madam,
2: there is no reason
0: for alarm. It is only such a refusal as must naturally flow from her bashful modesty and delicacy of character. Mm, bashful acceptance could flow just as easily. And if it comes to that, I'm not sure that Lizzie is so bashful. Had it been Jane or Mary now. But to anybody moves college, she shall be brought to reason. She's a very headstrong, foolish girl and doesn't know her own interests, but I will make her know it. Uh, pardon me for interrupting, madam, but if she is really headstrong and foolish, she would not be a very desirable wife for a man in my situation. Oh, but... Who seeks for happiness from the marriage state. Liable to such defects of temper, she could not contribute much to my felicity. Oh, sir, you quite misunderstand me. Lizzie is only headstrong in such matters as these. In everything else, she is a model of good nature. Indeed, it's well known in the neighborhood how good to... T- t- now, here she is with her father. Oh, Mr. Bennett, you're wanted immediately. We're all in an uproar. Lizzie vows she will not have Mr. Collins, and Mr. Collins vows that if she will not, then he will change his mind and not have her. In that
1: case, who wants me? Well,
0: of course, you must speak, to Lizzie. Tell her that you insist
1: on her marrying him doubtless sir you will wish to give a father's counsel and reproof
0: to miss elizabeth in private i will take my leave
1: very well well lizzie i understand that mr collins has made you an offer of marriage is this true yes
0: sir
1: very well and this offer of marriage you have refused
0: yes sir
1: we now come to the point your mother insists upon your accepting it, is it not so, Mrs. Bennet?
0: Yes, or I will never see her again.
1: An unhappy alternative is before you, Elizabeth. From this day, you must be a stranger to one of your parents. Your mother will never see you again if you do not marry Mr. Collins. And I will never see you again if you do.
0: Oh, Mr. Bennet, yes. yes, how dare you. Oh, sir, who could have heard you. Oh, yes, yeah, Missus. But, but all is not lost. Mary? <laughs> Mary? <laughs>
1: Three days only, Miss Jane. Three short days.
2: Oh, oh
1: Miss Jane. What a chance I have missed. Miss, yes. I ought to have said three long days. Three long days away from you, Miss Jane. Oh. I, I, I am the biggest fool at compliments. <laughs> I think of them just too late.
0: But why do you go to London, sir, if you're so anxious to get that?
1: With some idea of Darcy's. He will have me accompany him. Oh. Ah, I know what you are thinking.
0: But indeed you do not
1: no, no. You are thinking, who is this man Darcy that Bingley should be at his vacant court? I assure you, I thought no such thing. I swear that you are in error. I think nothing of this man, Darcy. It is true that he has an intimidating appearance. but your humble servant is not to be intimidated. <laughs> the truth is that I go to London and look after Mr. Darcy uh, to keep the poor fellow out of mischief.
3: Miss Jane, mm-hmm. shall I give a ball when I come back? And oh. will
1: you come to it, and will you dance with me?
0: I can think of nothing more delightful than that you
1: should. Then that is enough. The matter is settled, and Darcy may go to bed if he chooses before it begins.
0: <laughs> it is Mr. Darcy, is it not, whom I have the honor of addressing?
1: My name is Darcy, sir. I am
0: the Reverend William Collins, Rector of Huntsford, near Westerham, Kent, thanks to the gracious patronage of your esteemed aunt, the Lady Catherine de Bourgh. It is in my power to assure you that her ladyship was well yesterday, Senator.
1: I will ask you to be so kind when next to see her ladyship as to assure her that I also am well.
0: I shall make it my first and humble duty, sir. I leave my cousins at Longbourn on the Saturday in time for the usual Sunday duties of a clergyman.
1: Your cousins at Longbourn? You are related to the Bennet?
0: Indeed, yes. For the estate is entailed to me. Ah. It was indeed this fact which turned my thoughts in the direction of Longbourn. It seemed to me that I should best satisfy the delicacy of my feelings with regard to the entail and carry out her ladyship's instructions to marry by making an offer for Miss Jane Bennett. And with this purpose, I regret, I, sir, that
1: I must postpone acquaintance with your matrimonial projects until another season. Good evening.
0: Uh, uh, indeed, yes, sir. It's time I returned to my partner, Miss Charlotte Lucas, daughter of Sir William. Your servant, sir. Your very humble servant. Your servant? Oh, Mr. Darcy. Uh, have you seen my daughter Jane? Oh, now I see her for myself, and just as I might have expected on Mister Bingley's arm as usual. <laughs> Such a charming young man, is he not? I declare I don't know when I have met a more perfect gentleman, and so devoted to Jane. Lady Lucas said to me only yesterday when I said how hard it was that if anything happened to Mr. Bennet we could all be turned out of Longbourn at to moment's notice. She said, you will find it just as comfortable at as Netherfield. <laughs> and, of course, I had to own that I knew what she meant, and indeed it may be any day now. Mr.
1: Bennet is not thinking of dying immediately.
0: Oh, da- Mr. Darcy, how will you take me up? I meant only that Mr. Bingley would be asking for my daughter Jane's hand. I see. Of course, I won't say that with her looks she might not have done better, but uh, I'm not one to stand in the way of my daughter. <laughs>
1: all I do. Jane is the loveliest creature I ever set eyes upon. She is good, she is amiable, she is clever. I which I mean clever enough for me. And in short, she has everything which I should want a young woman to have. Including a mother. Why, what's the matter with her mother? No, Charles. Well, I'm not asking her to live with me. You do not need to. She has already invited herself. Come, Darcy, you have no right to say that. Every right. She was telling me so herself just now. But she was going to live with me. In so many words. You do not know, perhaps, that Longbourn is entailed away from the daughter's that when Mr. Bennet dies, Mrs. Bennet and her family must find some new home. As, for instance, Netherfield. Do you know all these things? People confide in me, Charles. I can tell you, for instance, that Mr. Collins, you know Mr. Collins. Yes. Is Miss Bennet's cousin is next in the entail, and has come to Longbourn in order to marry her. That fellow married James? It is his design. But not hers. Her mother's. To marry her to you or to him or to another, provided she marries somebody who can support them all. I will not believe it of her. Jane never could marry that parson fellow. If her mother is going to force her into the marriage, then it is my duty to save her from it. You have a duty to yourself also, to your sister, to your friends. But, Charles, Charles, you cannot marry into this family. I say nothing of that inferiority of position, the tradesman uncle, the attorney, the whole social background of Miss Bennet's connections. And now this parson fellow, which you must have seen for yourself, the total want of propriety so uniformly betrayed by the mother and the three younger sisters. How can you live with that? And what of my own want of propriety if I draw back now? Except for the actual words, I have as good as offered myself to Miss Bennet. And I swear to you, Darcy, as good as being accepted. No, no. That is where you were wrong. I have watched Miss Jane with you. Her look, her manners, her open, cheerful behaviour. Placid, unruffled. Just as it has been in the company of any other man. That is not love, Charles. I pledge you my words. It is true. I know no reason why she should love me. I... I, I'm a very ordinary fellow, not brilliant like you. I think how well we are getting on together. And all the time I'm getting on well with myself, and she is looking unkindly and smiling sweetly and thinking perhaps of some other man. Me. Well, what do you want me to do? Come to London with me tomorrow. I was coming, I told Jane. And stay with me. Three short days, I said. We had a joke about that. I mean... I had a joke. Stay with me until... Until she has married this parson fellow or somebody. Somebody who hasn't got a friend to stand over him and... Oh, no, no, no I didn't mean that. You, 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 you're you, a good friend, Darcy, and I expect you're right. But, damn me, it, it isn't friendly to be always in the right...
0: about the size of the room or the number of couples.
1: Whatever you wish me to say shall be said, Miss Elizabeth.
0: Very well. That will do for the present. Perhaps by and by I may observe that private dances are pleasanter than public ones, but now we may sit here and be silent for a little.
1: Do you talk by rule, then, when you are dancing?
0: Sometimes. One must speak a little, you know. It would look odd to be entirely silent for half an hour together. And yet, for the advantage of some, conversation ought to be arranged. Uh, so that they may have as little trouble as possible.
1: Are you consulting your own feelings in the present case, or gratifying mine?
0: Both. But I have always seen a great similarity in the turn of our minds. We are each of an unsocial, taciturn disposition, unwilling to speak until we can say something that will amaze the whole room and be handed down to posterity as a proverb.
1: That is never a striking resemblance of your own character. How near it may be to mine, I cannot say. You think it a faithful portrait, undoubtedly. Oh
0: no, I must not decide on my own performance.
1: Nor I on my own picture. So if i'm to praise your skill as a painter you must exercise it on someone else let us say mr bingley give me bingley in a line
0: it it would be a great responsibility to be married to him
1: you seem to have studied his character sufficiently well
0: is there anything else one half so amusing as studying other people
1: the country i imagine supplies few subjects worthy of your talent in a country neighborhood you move in a very confined and unvarying society
0: yes but people themselves alter so much that there's something new to be observed in them forever.
1: Let us hope, then, that you have a long life in front of you. But it certainly seems as if it will be an amusing one. Will your husband also alter from day to day? Or will he be the one constant in your ever-changing world?
0: Constant in affection, I hope. But equally I hope that each day will reveal some new attribute in him to deepen my affection.
1: And to serve you as a source of amusement.
0: If he loves me, he will not mind my laughing at him occasionally.
1: The wisest and best of men. Nay, the wisest and best of their actions may be rendered ridiculous by a person whose first object in life is a joke.
0: Certainly there are such people, but I hope I'm not one of them. I hope I never ridicule what is wise and good. Follies and nonsense, whims and inconsistencies do divert me, I own. And I laugh at them whenever I can. Have you none of them yourself?
1: It has been the study of my life to avoid those weaknesses which expose one to ridicule.
0: Such as pride and vanity.
1: Vanity is a weakness indeed, but pride... Where there is a real superiority of mind, pride will always be kept under good regulation.
0: If pride is to be a virtue, then I must acquit you of every fault.
1: I have faults enough. My temper is too little yielding. I cannot forget the follies and vices of others so soon as I ought. My good opinion, once lost, is lost forever. Ah,
0: That is a failing indeed. Implacable resentment is a shade in a character. But you have chosen your fault well. I cannot laugh at it. You are safe from me. I cannot laugh at a man whose habit is to hate everybody.
1: And yours, to misunderstand them willfully. I
0: would not do that. Indeed, I would not. You say that your good opinion, once lost, is lost forever. You are very cautious before you let it be forfeited. I am. And never allow yourself to be blinded by prejudice. I have not. Those who never change their opinion ought to be secure of judging properly first.
1: I would work upon my character again.
0: No. I do not get on with it at all. I hear such different accounts of you as me exceedingly.
1: That may well be. And I would beg you, therefore, to put my portrait by, for there is reason to fear that at the moment the picture would reflect no credit on either of us.
0: You refer to Mr. Wickham, do you not? Only
1: in as far as you were referring to Mr. Wickham.
0: We have all found him very charming.
1: So I suppose. Mr. Wickham is blessed with such happy manners as must ensure his making friends. Whether he be equally capable of retaining them is less certain.
0: He has been so unlucky as to lose your friendship, and in a manner which he is likely to suffer from all his life.
1: He seems to have gained yours in its place, which would be compensation enough for any man. Oh,
0: you are hateful.
1: I meant it sincerely. For the first time in my life, I envy him.
0: Can you defend your conduct to
1: him? To my friends, yes. But they do not require it of me. Oh, Come. Let us dance.
0: that I'm of the opinion that a ball of this nature given by respectable people can have any evil tendency or that I hold dancing to be incompatible with the duty of a clergyman Indeed, yes. I do not mean however to assert that we can be here justified in devoting too much of our time to dancing for there are other things to be attended to Indeed, yes. the rector of such a parish as her ladyship has bestowed upon me has much to do in the first place I am sure a... you must be very busy Mr. Collins I have always thought that a clergyman's work must be so interesting. I have always thought that to be married to a clergyman must be so interesting. She would find so much in her husband's work to interest her. I I feel that if she were really interested, she could be of so much help to him in his work. It is true, as you say, Miss Charlotte, that a clergyman's wife could add very greatly to his happiness and to the proper discharge of his duties. Nor do I reckon the notice and kindness of Lady Catherine de Bourgh among the least of the advantages which it is in my power to offer the lady on whom i bestow my affection indeed no mr collins i cannot think that any young woman could willfully refuse such a privilege that is as may be certainly in no young woman of intelligent and modest disposition could the sense of her ladyship's condescension fail to excite feelings of awe and gratitude miss charlotte my attentions have been too marked to be mistaken Almost as soon as I entered Hertfordshire, I singled you out as the companion of my future life. It remains only to assure you in the most animated language of the violence of my affection. To fortune, I'm perfectly indifferent, knowing that your father's a real man. my dear we can have a real talk undisturbed by men (laughs) mr. Collins will be showing my father the garden for half an hour yet it is his chief pride Mm. indeed he spends most of his time working in it I'm thankful to say I encourage it as much as possible of course the exercise is so helpful for him you speak like a happy married woman Charlotte naturally my dear well now I want all your news I cannot tell you how glad I am to have you at Huntsford to have somebody to talk with again I mean a woman, of course, someone to gossip with. I am very glad to come, dear Charlotte. It was so good in Sir William to bring me with him to Kent. Oh, I had to have you. He would know none of the gossip, and I must have it all. <laughs> now tell me, oh, what should I have first? Jane. Jane, for sure. Jane and Mr. Bingley. Is anything settled? Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately? But you were also... It is settled ha- that she will never see him again. But how can that be? My mother wrote that he had not come back to Netherfield, but is not Jane in London. I'm sure she told me Jane was in London. These three months at my Aunt Gardiner's. And Mr. Bingley is not called upon? No. Perhaps he does not know she is there. His sister knows Jane and she have met. Then what keeps him away? Or shall we say who keeps him away? Hmm. I never did like that Miss Bingley. <laughs> Nor I sha Nor anybody, so far as I could discover. Uh, save my dear t- uh, Jane, who likes everybody. <laughs> but i do not think mr bingley would take orders from his sister and who is the villain mr darcy i can only suppose so i, I cannot know for sure oh did you know that the villain is in our midst at this moment mr darcy oh where he is staying at rosings you know that he is lady catherine's nephew i had forgotten we have not spoken with him yet he's only just come but we are sure to be asked in after dinner one night while you were here you would not mind seeing him again of course i shall not mind we despise each other in the politest way I am never so happy as when telling him that I hate him, and he never so courteous as when showing his indifference. <laughs> oh, what of Lydia? Has none of our officers asked for her? Oh, not yet. <laughs> but I am troubled about her, Charlotte. She is so young and flighty. And now it seems the regiment is to move to Brighton, and nothing will please Lydia but that she must go too. Oh. Uh, Mrs. Forster, the colonel's wife, you remember, has asked her to stay with them. And what does Mr. Bennett say? He says that Lydia will never be easy until she's exposed herself in some public place or other. And that we can never expect her to do it with so little expense or inconvenience to her family as at Brighton. <laughs> oh, poor Eliza. All the troubles of the family seem to be yours. <laughs> oh, well, my dear. Father, you all oh, look, Charlotte, oh. Cold, quick, yes, quick, quick. Uh, what is the matter? Covers on, covers on the king. William, whatever is it? Look out of the window. Come, Charlotte. What can it be, Lydia? I must go. that all? I expected at least that the pigs were got into the garden, and here is nothing but Lady Catherine and her daughter.
3: That is not Lady Catherine. It is Mrs. Jenkinson and her young charge, Mr. de
0: Not even Lady Catherine. No, no. So that
3: is the daughter. They say she's to marry Mr. Darcy, and that is what he's come to Rosings
0: for. Hmm. I like her appearance. She looks sickly and cross. She will make him a very proper wife. And she's rude, too, to keep Charlotte standing out in the wind. Yes, she will do for Darcy very well. Well,
3: well, it was a most pretty compliment that Mr. Berg should drive past on the very day of our arrival. But, of course, one expects such courtesies from the elegantly bred.
0: Charlotte is looking very well, Sir William. Yes, yes. Mr.
3: Collins tells me that they go up to Rosie's regularly twice every week.
0: All the same, I still think that she is looking very well. Well, what do you think, Miss Elizabeth? What do you think has happened? I have a surprise for you. I confess that it even surprises myself. Even more than I could have hoped for. I am all eagerness to hear, Mr. Collins. We are to dine. The whole party is asked to dine at Rosings tomorrow. Well, well. well Who could well. have imagined we should have received such an invitation to dine there? <laughs> an invitation, moreover, including the whole party. So immediately after your arrival, do you know, Mr. Elizabeth? There are hundred and forty-three windows of varying sizes in rosing I shall take your word for it, sir, and admire them all, for Mr. Collins. Ah, my dear, I was just kept telling my cousin about the windows at Rosings. Oh, yes, that reminds me. Have you seen that very pretty view of the wall from the long meadow, Papa? At the moment yes, No, no, I do not mean that view from the arbour. But there is another very pretty glimpse of it. Do take my father, Mr. Collins. The light would be falling on the windows now in a very pretty way. Uh, that was what made me think of it. Oh, very well, then. No doubt you've still much to show my fair cousin within the house. Oh, I have so many things to show, her, Mr. Collins, that you can safely leave her to me. Then shall we come, Sir William? By all means, by all means. He's made yourself quite at home, Miss Elizabeth. We lack the magnificence of rosings, but in our it humble way. It is from ways... the end of the meadow that you get the best glimpse. From the middle is not near so far. Mr. Well, my dear, You do it very well, Charlotte, but why the end of the meadow? Why, indeed. I shall give you three guesses. (laughs) I dare not. Well, then, Mrs. Jenkinson said something which I do not think Mr. Collins heard, for he was complimenting Mr. Berg upon her looks at the time. Very plain, is she not? Very. And so I stayed behind and took a peep from the corner of the road, and it is true, Mr. Darcy and his cousin Colonel Fitzwilliam are riding over to call upon us. And from the end of the long meadow you cannot see them riding up? And from the end of the long meadow is a very pretty glimpse of (laughs) rosings. Oh, I also thought Eliza did it, but I took Mr. Darcy into the garden. Then you could exert your charms on Colonel Fitzwilliam who looked on Sunday as if he could fall in love very easily. Oh, Charlotte, dear, don't be silly. He is the younger son of an Earl. Oh, then my charms will be wasted on him. It is my 50 pounds a year he'll be after. <laughs> <laughs> oh, would it were 55? Oh, they will be coming at any moment. I will hear the clatter of their horses, who... I must be at the gate to welcome them. I must fly. Oh, mention to Colonel Fitzwilliam that I had 10 pounds on my last birthday for my Uncle Gardiner and may count on it again. Sir Collins, what are you doing with my counters? I do humbly beg your ladyship to forgive me, but it was to save your ladyship the labor of counting them. Uh, did you win that last game? I'm afraid I, I... It looks as if you are not a very good card player, Sir William. Poole.
3: Oh, well, perhaps I am a little out of practice, your ladyship.
0: Mrs. Collins, you shall take Sir William's place. Oh, and Sir
1: William, Sir, William Hansel, you will take me. Oh, place.
0: Very. The windows give it a to good proportion. Be yes, Mr. Darcy. the uh, are they are not? You're
1: what a muse something that i had said but i was forgetting we had decided that you were to go through life being amused.
0: no no please i was not smiling at you i assure you sir i would never do that it was just something my cousin had said what is 27 from 143
1: Uh, the answer is 116 but why
0: Mr. Collins told me yesterday that there were 143 windows at Rosings, and I promised to admire them all. I have now only 116 left. Uh, that is, if I am right to count the Conservatory as one.
1: I should like you to see the big west window at Pemberley.
0: Is it open to the public on Wednesday?
1: Do you know Derbyshire at all?
0: I know it very well, for I have an aunt, Mrs. Gardner, who was born there, and never tires of recounting its beauty.
1: She does not live there now.
0: She lives in London. She and my uncle are to take me with him to the lakes in july but if we are to pass through her beloved derbyshire and i suppose we must i do not see how we are ever to get there
1: if you are in the neighborhood of pemberley i hope you will consider it worth a visit i shall be away myself but my housekeeper will show you everything you wish to see
0: your invitation is doubly kind sir and i thank yes. you what is it you are saying what is it you are talking of miss bennett i was talking of my aunt madame ah come over here uh, yes madam you have three younger sisters have you not miss bennett yes ma'am are any of them out Uh, yes ma'am all oh Oh, what all five of you out at once very odd the younger ones out before the elder are married your younger sisters must be very young yes my youngest is not 16. Uh, perhaps she is full young to be much in company but really ma'am i think it would be very hard upon younger sisters that they should not have their share of society because the elder may not have the means or the inclination to marry early upon my word you give your opinion very decidedly for so young a person pray what is your age with three younger sisters grown up your ladyship can hardly expect me to own it since you cannot be more than 20 i see no reason why you should conceal your age i will admit to 20 ma'am ah Mr. Collins, are you at my counters again? Really,
2: this is a solid... I see my cousin has wandered off, Miss Bennett.
0: Our conversation was interrupted, Colonel Fitzwilliam.
2: Uh, you do not play cards.
0: I play with my sisters at home, but it is a different game. We are laughing all the time.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: Are you and Mr. Darcy in Kent for long?
2: It is for him to say. I am to go with him to Pemberley, but he will arrange the when as he pleases. I'm at his disposal for so long as he wants me.
0: I wonder he does not marry. To secure a lasting convenience of that kind... Oh, true, he has Mr. Bingley. Do you know Mr. Bingley?
2: Oh, yes. A very pleasant fellow. Great friend of Darcy's.
0: Yes, Mr. Darcy takes a prodigious deal of care of him.
2: From something my cousin was telling me, Bingley has every reason to be extremely indebted to him. Oh? Naturally, no names were mentioned. Because if it were to get round to the lady's family, it would be most unpleasant.
0: You may depend upon my not mentioning it, but what... it was
2: only that he had just saved a friend from a most disastrous marriage. From the way he spoke, I was sure that he meant Bingley.
0: I see did Mr. Darcy give you his reasons for this interference?
2: I understood there were some very strong objections to the lady,
0: and what hearts did he use to separate them? <laughs>
2: He did not talk to me of his own arts. He only told me of the result.
0: I see. Colonel Fitzwilliam, Mr. Darcy's conduct does not suit my feelings. Pray excuse me. so my cousins went without
1: me. Yes, they told me. You were better.
0: Thank you. It was just a headache. It is gone now.
1: I came over to Huntsford to inquire and to say goodbye. I am to leave early tomorrow.
0: It was kind of you to call. Thank you. You have been in Kent three weeks, have you not?
1: Hmm.
0: I expect you will be glad to get back to Derbyshire, or is it to London that you go?
1: Yes. No.
0: Oh.
1: My plans are uncertain. It is no use. I struggle and struggle in vain. You have caught me. I cannot escape. Mr. Darcy! I cannot do without the light in your eyes, the sound of your voice. They go with me everywhere. In vain, in vain have I struggled to escape them. I love you. This is impossible. No, I know how ridiculous I am making myself. To be doing the very thing against which I have so often warned others. To be opposing my inclination to all that propriety and common sense recommend. To degrade myself for my own rank and station up the summons of a lovely face and a lively mind <sighs> which were worth to sacrifice elizabeth all these days since i have been at rosings i have been trying to find some fault in you which would bring me back to my senses and convince me of the impossibility the unseemliness of such a marriage in vain i watched you in vain i struggled well so be it i love you i must marry you miss bennett i ask you to be my wife <sighs>
0: Mr. Darcy, at least I can thank you for asking, for admitting the right of choice even to one in my inferior position. Other gratitude than this I cannot show. I am sorry to give pain to anyone, but in this case it has been most unconsciously done and should not last long. The propriety and common sense, which so nearly restrained you from a declaration, will easily console you now that I have rejected it.
1: Rejected?
0: Astonishing as it must seem to you, rejected.
1: And is this all that you have to say to me? Am I to be allowed to ask why, with so little endeavor at civility, you refuse my offer?
0: I might as well ask why, with so evident a design of insulting me, you chose to tell me that you like me against your will, against your reason, even against your taste. Don't this give me some excuse for anger? But I have other provocations. Do you think that any consideration would tempt me to accept the man who has been the means of ruining, perhaps forever, the happiness of a most beloved sister?
1: I understand. It is to your sister Jane that you are so indignant.
0: Can you deny that it was you who are so hurt her?
1: I admit that I did everything in my power to separate my friend from your sister and that I rejoiced in my success. Oh. To him, I have been kinder than to myself.
0: But it is not only on this that my dislike is founded. You defend yourself as a true friend of Mr. Bingley's, but in what respect have you been a true friend of Mr. Wickham?
1: Well, I remember, you have always taken a great interest in Mr. Wickham.
0: Who that knows what his misfortunes have been can help feeling an interest in him?
1: His misfortunes?
0: You have reduced him to poverty.
1: are heavy indeed, but perhaps they would have been overlooked if I had not hurt your pride by an honest confession of the scruples which had restrained me from speaking before. Can you expect me to rejoice in the inferiority of your connections, to congratulate myself after meeting your mother and your younger sisters on the hope of marrying into your family?
0: Mr. Darcy, from the first moment of my acquaintance with you, your ill manners, your arrogance, your conceit, your disdain for the feelings of others had formed my opinion of you, and I had not known you two weeks before I knew that you were the last man in the world whom I could ever be prevailed on to marry.
1: I thank you. I now understand your feelings perfectly and have only to be ashamed of what my no have been. Forgive me for taking up all of your time, but I would like to say this. Whatever we have thought of each other in the past or think of this moment, at least I have never doubted your intelligence nor you my pride. In as far as that pride is the arrogance you condemn, I shall not defend it. But there is a pride, Miss Bennet, which one takes in one's honour and one's good name. Apart from your dislike of me, you have brought two accusations against me. This is the last occasion on which we shall meet. My last opportunity, therefore, to stay in defence of my honour, that which I have decided now requires to be said.
0: I shall listen to anything you wish to say.
1: First, then, in respect of your sister Jane and Bingley, I have given my reasons for thinking such a marriage unsuitable, But I will ask you to believe that never for one moment did I suppose that your sister's heart was seriously touched. I have seen them together often, and I can only say that her serenity deceived me. Had I known, I should have regretted the marriage equally for my friend. But I should not propose it.
0: Thank you, sir. My mind is in no condition for argument on the subject, but I shall remember what you have said.
1: That is all I ask. And the other? The other is a much more serious accusation. I do not propose to make a long story of Mr. Wickham, but here are the plain, dull facts on which you have put so attractive a gloss. The story of himself is true thus far, that he lived at Pemberley, the son of my father's steward, that my father, attracted by his engaging manners, held a high opinion of him, and that hoping that the church would be his profession, had intended to provide for him. My own opinion of him was not so high. Mr. Wickham is, in fact, a man of vicious character, entitled to no woman's respect.
0: I do not believe him. It is your jealousy which makes you say so
1: my father died five years ago leaving mr. Wickham a legacy of a thousand pounds he also recommended to me in his will that a valuable living should be given to him as soon as it should become vacant within six months mr. Wickham came to me and said that he had decided not to go into the church at his own suggestion he resigned all claims on the living and accepted in return three thousand pounds that ended the matter and seemed to end our connection he took his money to London where he lived as i heard a life of idleness and dissipation three years later the living became vacant and he then had the impudence to claim it on the grounds that my father had always intended it for him you will not be surprised that i refused his claim
0: it is just your story against his i do not believe it
1: i have now to tell you something which i had hoped never to speak of again i do not need to ask from you a pledge of absolute secrecy my deeply loved sister was left to the guardianship of colonel fitzwilliam and myself a year ago she was taken from school and sent for her health sake to the sea in the companionship of a lady whom we supposed we could trust mr wickham who had of course known as a child at pemberley learned of this and followed her his charms persuaded her to believe herself in love with him and to consent to an elopement ah, unknown to him however she had written me a farewell letter and I arrived just in time to prevent it. My sister was but 15, which must be her excuse. Mr. Wickham's excuse was that she had a fortune of 30,000 pounds, and that he could think of no more complete way of being revenged upon me.
0: Horrible! Horrible! I will not believe it!
1: As an executor of my father's will, no less than as my cousin and intimate friend, Colonel Fitzwilliam is in equal possession of all these facts. If your abhorrence of me should make my word valueless, you cannot be prevented by the same cause from confiding in him. That is all I wish to say.
0: Mr. Darcy, I I cannot think now. All that you have said is just so many words, which I shall remember later.
1: Perhaps we may both be able to profit by remembering later what the other has said. Goodbye. Goodbye. God bless you, Elizabeth. saw you through the trees sitting on this seat. Welcome to Pemberley.
0: They told us at the house that you would not be here until tomorrow, Mr. Darcy, and we asked in the village My too. friends
1: will not arrive until tomorrow, but I had suddenly to come in advance of them on some business with my steward.
0: I am with my uncle and Aunt Gardiner. They have just left me to walk on a little. M- my aunt was born near Pemberley.
1: I remember. You once told me.
0: We thought you were away as the grounds were open to the public. Even so, I did not want was so anxious to come i, I could not i also other.
1: remember that i once invited you to come
0: uh, yes that was before i i mean
1: I, I hope very much now that you are here that you will let me show you something of my home you are tired perhaps
0: i am a little tired we have been seeing so much
1: miss bennett i have always wished for you to meet my sister will you
0: oh but i have always wondered what she's like i, I mean i have heard
1: well now you shall discover for yourself I think, I hope, that you will love her. I am sure that she will love you. And so now, if you will present me to Mrs Gardner, we can make what arrangements for meeting will best suit her.
0: You are being very kind, sir.
1: Kind to myself. Let me give you an arm if you are tired. Thank you. Have you remarked on the extraordinary beauty of the day?
0: It has been wonderfully fine all the week.
1: Ah. I had not noticed it. is your mother still having hysterics jane
0: she's still upstairs sir she does not leave her room Hmm. oh how could lydia
1: lydia's capacity of disgracing herself and her family has never been under question all that was uncertain was the opportunity
0: don't you think sir that perhaps they have got married
1: can you think jane of any reason why a man like wickham should want to marry a penniless girl like lydia ...if we don't bribe him to do it.
0: In her letter, she said they were to go to Gretna Green.
1: Doubtless, Wickham told her they were to go to Gretna Green.
0: Then do you suppose them to be in London?
1: Where else can they be so well hidden?
2: Oh, it is difficult to sit
0: and wait and be able to do nothing.
1: Difficult for you, Jane, but to me this waiting is but a breathing space between bursts of activity. You forget how, at the first news, I hurried off to Brighton. It is true that I learned nothing of their plans by this, but nobody can say that I was inactive... Now, so soon as your uncle and aunt have brought Lizzie back from Derbyshire, I shall be up and away with them to London. You've not heard from Elizabeth since you wrote to tell her?
0: They will be here as soon as a letter. They would start at once. They should be here tonight.
1: Lizzie is a good girl. She will not reproach me.
0: She will reproach herself, as I do.
1: You? In all this business, the two people who have nothing with which to reproach themselves are you and Lizzie.
0: Lizzie and I knew Mr. Wickham's true character. Mr. Darcy had told her, and we had wondered whether to make it known, but thought it kinder since Mr. Wickham was leaving the neighborhood to say nothing. If only we had spoken.
1: If you had spoken, you would only have made Wickham more attractive. Handsome, charming, and a villain. Who could resist him?
0: Poor Jane, how you must have suffered through all this. How I have longed for you, dear Lizzie, just to be alone with you again. My loving thoughts were in advance of me all through that miserable journey yesterday, hurrying to get to you. You told me you'd met Mr. Darcy again. Mm. Did you see him before you left? Did he know? He knew. He came upon me as I was reading your dreadful letter. Oh, Jane. You told him? He found me crying. Even he would be kind at such a time. Even he... It seems that I must defend him. To think that I should have to defend anyone against Jane. I I only meant that I have been wrong about him. He has been kindness itself to all three of us all the time that we were at Pemberley. I see. Did you know that Netherfield was to be opened again? Did you not know that I had seen Mr. Bingley again at Pemberley? You saw him? How was he? Well, and looking forward to coming back to Netherfield, perhaps to meeting somebody again. It is not possible that he... That anybody could want to know us now. To be connected with a family so disgraced. Not now, no. Miss Elizabeth Bennet? Lady Catherine. Ah. And I suppose you are Miss Jane Bennet? Yes, this is my sister Jane. Jane, this is Lady Catherine de Bourgh, of whom you have heard. Your ladyship. Yes. You both have the looks. That is what catches a man. Were you wishing to see my mother, Lady Catherine? I wish to see your sister. Alone. Uh, Jane, dear, I do not know what Lady Catherine has come to say, but I, I think I'd better hear it. Of course. Pray excuse me. You can be at no loss, Miss Bennet, to understand the reason of my journey here. Your own conscience must tell you why I come. You are mistaken, madam. I cannot account for it at all. Then I will be frank with you. A report of a most alarming nature has reached me from Pemberley. <laughs> I was told that not only was your sister Jane likely to be advantageously married, but that you, Miss Elizabeth Bennett, would shortly be united to my own nephew, Mr. Darcy. <laughs> Though I know it to be a scandalous falsehood, I instantly resolved upon setting off of this place that I might make my sentiments known to you. With what object, if you knew it to be untrue? To insist upon having such a scandalous report publicly contradicted. Your coming to Longbourn to see me and my family will surely be regarded as confirmation of it, if indeed such a report is in existence. Miss Bennett, I insist upon being satisfied. Has my nephew made you an offer of marriage? Your ladyship has declared it to be impossible. Impossible? while he remained in his right senses. But you may have drawn him from his duty by your arts and allurements. If I had, I should naturally be the last person to confess it. Miss Bennet, do you know who I am? I am not accustomed to being treated like this. As Mr. Darcy's nearest relation, I have the right to know his most private concerns. But not the right to know my. Nor does your manner of asking induce me to grant it to you as a favor. Then let me tell you this. Mr. Darcy is engaged to my daughter. Now, what are you to say? Only this. That if he is so, you can have no reason to suppose he will make an offer to me. The engagement between them is of a peculiar kind. The union was planned while they were in their cradles. By his mother and hers, it was always our dearest wish. And is that wish that resolve now to be shattered by the intrusion of a young woman of inferior birth and of no social importance Kitty catherine if mr darcy does not regard an engagement plan for him in his cradle as binding upon him 25 years later how can you possibly suppose that I, who was not even alive then, shall regard it as binding upon me? Miss Bennet, you will make me lose my temper directly. I am not used to being answered back in this way. Nor either being told by a stranger whose hand I may accept in marriage. Tell me once for all, are you engaged to Mr. Darcy? I am not. Ah. And will you promise me never to enter into such an engagement? I will make no promise of the kind. Wait! To all the objections I have urged, I have yet another. I know of your youngest sister's elopement with Wickham. know? With suitable expressions of horror and disgust, Mr. Collins has informed me of what, no doubt, is the common talk of this village. Is such a girl to be my nephew's sister? Would you disgrace him forever? You can have now nothing further to say. You have insulted me in every possible method. I must beg you to leave. Very well. You refuse to obey the claims of beauty, honor, and gratitude. You are determined to ruin Mr. Darcy in the opinion of all his friends and make him the content of the world. Very well. I shall now know how to act. I, however, am still a little uncertain. Would your ladyship wish me to ring, or would you prefer to leave with as little ceremony as you arrive? I take no leave of you, Miss Bennet. I send no compliments to your mother. You deserve no such a tickle. I am most seriously displeased.
1: Oh!
0: <laughs> I thought I'd die with laughing, didn't you, Wickham?
1: <laughs> Very funny. I don't make so much noise. That's a good girl. I don't want to be turned out of my lodging. <laughs> yes? Good afternoon.
0: No, it is the great Mr.
1: Darcy. The great Mr. Darcy in person. Mm -hmm. Well, well, well. And how comes the great Mr. Darcy to be honouring our humble London abode? I wish to speak to you on business, Wickham. Speak on, Darcy. Open your heart to us. I would prefer to speak to you alone. But I am not sure that I want to speak to you at all, Darcy. Either alone or in company. I think it will be to your advantage. My advantage, eh? Mm -hmm, Oh, well. Lydia, you can go and look at yourself in your mirror for five minutes. It will amuse you. You
0: won't let him try to get you away from me. Run
1: along. There's a good girl. You shall hear all about it afterwards.
0: Now, mine? That's a promise. <laughs> mm.
1: A pretty creature, say, for a month or two? What do you think? You are not married to her. <laughs> married will be reasonable. I want a rich wife, Darcy. I nearly got one once. Only somebody interfered. You are in debt, I imagine. Damnably so. To what extent? London, Brighton, Meriton. Say, 3,000 pounds. You are resigning your commission? Let us say that my commission is resigning me. It is possible that you might achieve that rich wife if you do not set your hopes too high. And what do you suggest, Mr. Darcy, at a nice, comfortable height? Miss Lydia (laughs) Bennet. With £1,000 due on her mother's death. That's your first real joke, Darcy. With practice, you'll be quite entertaining. Miss Lydia Bennet, with £2,000 on her wedding day, with all her husband's debts paid, and with a commission purchased for him in another regiment. In another part of the country where he can make a fresh start. Ah, we are going to talk business then. Well, is this an offer from Mr. Bennett? On behalf of Mr. Bennett. I see. It would be useful to know just why you have this great interest in my matrimonial affairs. You may take it, if you will, that I feel responsible for you. I'm delighted to hear it. Well, when your sense of responsibility is just a little more pronounced, say to the extent of another £5,000 or so, then you may come to me again. The terms are, as I said... Two thousand pounds settled on your wife, a commission purchased for you, and your debts paid to a limit of three thousand pounds, but not beyond. I dare, Darcy. Do you think I am a fool? I am giving you an opportunity to prove that you are not. Perhaps you would like a day or two in which to consult your creditors. They will certainly wish to consult you. I shall be in London until the end of the week. You know where to find me. Here, yeah, Darcy. <laughs> Damn the fellow. Sit on my knee.
0: Let's
1: have a look at you. Oh well. How would you like to get married?
0: Oh, Lord, I suppose we ought to someday. Oh, oh Wickham, I've just thought. When I'm married, I shall go in before my elder sisters. And I can chaperone them and get them husbands. Oh, won't that be fun? Let's get married at once. <laughs> to the sure, girls, to have a daughter well-married. And now that Mr. Bingley has come amongst us again and may be here at any moment, perhaps I shall have another daughter married. <laughs> then, Lizzie, that'll only leave you and Mary, and you, Kitty. And if you take Mr. Collins, as I always he wanted to... he is, riding up now, Mama. Mr. Bingley, riding up now? Oh, Jane must be told at once. There is a gentleman with him. Oh, nah. It looks like the man that Lydia was telling me about that used to be here before. Mr. What's-his-name? The very proud man. Mr. Darcy. Mm. Oh, well, any friend of Mr. Bingley's will always be welcome, but I must say I hate the very sight of him. James! gone to the village yet, tell him that Mr. Darcy has come. He will not want to meet him. Lord, Lizzie, how silly you are. All oh, that is over long ago. They're the greatest of friends now, and it was Mr. Darcy bought him his commission, and Mr. Darcy... Mad, child. It was my Uncle Gardiner. It was Darcy, because he was at the church when they were married and stood with Wickham and signed the register, because Lydia... Oh, Lord, I promised Lydia I wouldn't say a word, because... <sighs> Because she promised Wickham, and Wickham promised Darcy, and Darcy made my Uncle Gardner promise him. So now you must promise me... And then, with as little delay as possible, the whole world will know. Oh, well, I'm glad you told me, even if you have no right to. But, Darcy, is it possible? Well, this is Look who I have brought. Isn't that a pleasant surprise? Mr. Bingley come to see us again. Oh, and Mr. Darcy... <laughs> I suppose you've heard, Mr. Bingley, that I've had one of my daughters married recently. Indeed, madam. Yes, and perhaps you saw it, Mr. Darcy.
1: I did, madam, and I congratulate you.
0: It is a delightful thing to be sure to have a daughter well-married, but it's hard to lose a loving child. They go down to Newcastle, a place quite northward, it seems, where Mr. Wickham's regiment is stationed. For He has now gone into the regulars.
1: Yes, madam, and... Is Miss Bennet quite well?
0: My daughter Jane? Oh, I think I saw my daughter Jane in the small parlour. Uh, Kitty, take Mr. Bingley to the small blue parlour and see if your sister Jane is there. Yes, Mama. And then uh, c- come up to my room. I have something I wish you to help me at. Yes, Mama.
1: Lead the way, Kitty, to the blue or the pink or to any other colour, father. I shall be there behind you. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: It's odd, is it not, Mr. Darcy, that I should have my youngest daughter married before my eldest. One would naturally expect it to happen the other way round, the eldest before the youngest.
1: I am sure, madam, that the eldest will not be long in following her sister's example. Ah,
0: oh, that is as maybe. Jane's heart is not easily won. She did have a partiality for a young man last winter, but the feeling wore off.
1: I hope, madam, that that does not refer to my friend Bingley, seeing that he has come today to lay himself at the feet of Miss Bennet. <gasps> in the hope that she has not entirely forgotten him.
0: Lay himself uh, the Kitty! Kitty! I want you, my dear. Is it true, Mr. Darcy, that Mr. Bingley has come to ask for Jane?
1: To judge from his impatience on the way here, he has already asked for her.
0: Dear, dear Jane, to know that she will be happy at last, that is almost happiness enough.
1: You make me ashamed that I have postponed it for so long.
0: (sighs) Mr. Darcy, I have just heard what I was not intended to hear but I cannot keep silence. Let me thank you again and again for your noble generosity to my sister Lydia, nay, to all of us. How did you
1: know? I did not mean you to know.
0: It was Kitty whose thoughtlessness betrayed you, but it did not tell me all that I wanted to hear. It was you who found them, you who made him marry her, your money which paid his debt. Please. How you must have hated it, pleading with him. What mortifications must you have borne for us? And now there's nothing to say but thank you.
1: If you will thank me, let it be for yourself alone. All that I did was what I thought you would like me to do. Elizabeth, you are too generous to trifle with me. If your feelings are still what they were, tell me, and I shall trouble you no more. Mine are unchanged.
0: I called you selfish, then. Do you think that I am still calling you selfish?
1: I said I loved you, then. Do you think that I can ever stop loving you?
0: Can you not? Never. I think that I could now begin.
3: Oh, Elizabeth, dearest, loveliest Elizabeth, I
0: love you.
1: I love you. Oh.
0: How did you begin? my beauty you withstood from the first my manners to you were always bordering on the uncivil of my character you could have no knowledge was it my impertinence which you so loved
1: the liveliness of your mind
0: you may as well call it impertinence it was little else
1: i had never met anybody like you you were you
0: Alas, <laughs> i feel that must have been said before to other women but i shall not complain of it and now Tell me when you forgave me for the horrible things I said to you.
1: I forgave you the horrible things you had said to me as soon as I was calm enough to remember the abominable things I had said to you. (laughs)
0: Yes. Perhaps we had better not quarrel for the greater share of blame for that evening. We have both of us improved in civility since then. Or is it that I like you a little more?
1: When did you decide to like me
2: a little more?
0: When I met you at Pemberley, knowing by then how I had misjudged you knowing myself for the ignorant, prejudiced young woman that i showed shown myself to be. Why did you come back to me when I told you never to insult me with your addresses again?
1: It was when Lady Catherine told me of her visit to you. For I knew that if you had been irrevocably against me, you would have acknowledged it frankly to her. It determined me to try my fortune once more.
0: Dear Lady Catherine, she has been of infinite use, which ought to make her happy, for she loves to be of use.
1: <laughs> <laughs> have I made you happy, Elizabeth?
0: Dearest, I'm the happiest creature in the world. I'm happier even than Jane is now. She only smiles. I laugh.
2: (laughs) This is
1: very odd. Surely you were in one another's arms in the room which I've just left. Oh, I beg your pardon. I I see that I'm to have another son-in-law. Sir. uh,
0: Please, go now, Darcy. You shall speak to my father afterwards.
1: Whenever you wish, Elizabeth. I'm to be found in almost any room where two young people are embracing. <laughs> Come here, Lizzie. Oh, sir. So you are to make a better match even than Jane.
0: Indeed, sir. I have not thought of it like that.
1: Darcy is rich to be sure, but that will make you happy.
0: He will make me happy.
1: Lizzie. You've been the only person in this house with whom I could ever share a smile. Perhaps for that reason, the only one to whom I can now speak seriously. We've we have been two friends in a strange country, enjoying the comedy which the inhabitants have played for us. Now you're to set off for a new country alone. And you will find that comedy is very often but a tragic escape from reality. That is well enough for me, but not for you. I know your disposition. I know that you could never be happy unless you truly esteemed and loved your husband. Oh, my child, let me not have the grief of seeing you unable to respect your partner in life. You do not know what it means.
0: Dearest, dearest father, believe me, I pray you, I do esteem him. I do love him.
1: A little while ago, you were letting it be known that you hated him.
0: A hundred years ago stupid and ignorant creature that I was.
1: As long ago as that. It seems that I have been serious without provocation, and you will be properly miserable without him?
0: I am afraid, so, sir, sir. It is true that I love him, and that for many weeks now I have known his true character and how little worthy of him I am.
1: You must indeed be respectable if my Lizzie is not worthy of him. Well, I should have given him my consent in any case. Because he is the kind of man to whom I should never dare refuse anything which he condescended to
2: ask,
1: And I shall now give it to you, Lizzie. Because you are the kind of girl to whom I could never refuse anything which would make her happy.
0: Oh, thank you, sir. And will you come and stay with us sometimes at Pemberley?
1: Continually. In a little while, you will feel that you are coming to stay with me.
0: Now I am really happy.
1: I admire all my three sons-in-law highly. Wickham, perhaps, is my (laughs) favourite. But I shall like yours quite as well as (laughs) Jane's.
0: I must tell you, sir, it was he, not my Uncle Gardiner, who found Lydia, who paid all Wickham's debts and brought about the marriage.
1: Darcy? Well, well, this is a day of wonders indeed. Mm. And so Darcy did everything. Yes. That will save me a world of trouble and economy. Had it been as I understood your uncle's doing, I must and would have paid him these violent young lovers carry everything their own way. I shall offer to discharge my debt. He will rant and storm about his love for you, and there will be an end of the matter. You'd better send him to me at once.
0: Yes, sir. Dearest papa. Thank you. Send him along. Yes, sir.
1: Oh, Lizzie. Yes, sir. If any young men come for Mary or Kitty, say that I shall be at leisure in about five minutes.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Miss Elizabeth Bennett, dramatized by A.A. Milne from Jane Austen's novel Pride and Prejudice, was adapted for radio by Peggy Wells. Elizabeth Bennett was played by Kika Markham and Mr. Darcy by Derek Jacobi. Of the other members of the Bennett family, Mrs. Bennett was played by Vivian Chatterton. Mr. Bennett by Preston Lockwood, Miss Bennett, Jane, by Leanne Orkin, Mary, Lydia, and Kitty Bennett by Carol Marsh, Sean Davis, and Alexa Romanis. Lady Catherine de Bourgh was played by Lydia Sherwood, Charles Bingley, Victor Lucas, Miss Bingley, Margaret Robertson, George Wickham, Frederick Treves, Sir William Lucas, Geoffrey Winkert, Miss Charlotte Lucas, Rosalind Shanks, Colonel Fitzwilliam, Lockwood West, and Mr. Collins, Michael Rothwell. Mr. Elizabeth Bennett
2: was produced by David Davis.